family, and friends, welcome to Crosswinds Unleashed. Each week, we're dedicated to bringing the best stories and biblical life principles from authentic believers. Our podcast breaks down the Christian life through interviews and practical instruction in what we hope will be a fun and accessible way. I'm Craig Cooper, the host of this podcast and lead pastor of Crosswinds Church. Let me give a special shout out to Sheldon Boyce, who's a producer of this episode. And then I have uh, in studio with me the one and only Elijah Merrill, who is our producer, co-host, and sometimes host of this podcast. And so he's we're sitting and doing this one together. And so thank you guys for all that you do. Um, if you want to know more about this podcast or anything Crosswinds related, head on over to our website at crosswinds.church. Well, again, Elijah, thank you so much for co-hosting this uh, podcast episode with me. Of course. Thank you. And I have a special guest all the way from Ohio, a good friend of mine, uh, Pastor John Baker. John, it's great to have you on the podcast with us. Hey, nice to be here. Good morning or <laughs> afternoon or whenever you might be listening whenever to Whenever they're this. listening to it. Good That's tea right. time, right? Whatever you want to mean by that. That's great. I, I was counting up the other day, John, and I, I and like we've been friends for over 35 years. That's hard to believe. Yep. You're back in college. Yeah, like I've known you over half my life. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't seem but po- true. Doesn't seem possible, does it? No kidding. Well, John, I, I, I'm excited to have you on the podcast and just hear your story a little bit. Um, I know it's okay for me to say uh, you right now are battling cancer. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get to that part of the story, but I wanted people to understand a little bit of of some of what you're going to share and where this podcast sure. idea sort of came out of. We we met midway in Erie, uh, between where yep. you pastor mm-hmm. and where I pastor here in Canandaigua, New York. And and as we were talking about life and you were sharing the things that God is teaching you, a couple of things really stood out. First of all is, is just the wisdom um, that you have gotten through this journey, that you've used mm-hmm. it in ways to, to, to grow yourself. And, and, right. yep. and then the other thing was how you're using this to help others grow. Uh, your honesty... Um, is just uh, it's inspiring, you know. Appreciate that. Because sometimes I think as Christians we always want to talk about the the victory side of things, you know, mm-hmm. or or everything's mm-hmm. good, you know. I have no challenges, no everything. Sort of, you know, I have God. That's all I need, which is true. But the reason we know He's all we need because we get to those points, and you were sharing some of those points. We'll get to in a little bit of saying, man, this just really isn't. <laughs> Isn't the plan I would have written for myself, and and there are days where I'm having difficulty because of this, that, or yeah. the other thing. And it's that honesty that just, to me, is helpful, mm-hmm. because I think sometimes we can hear from other believers, and they share as if they never have a challenge. And, right. and to me, how's that helpful? Because I know I have challenges. I'm guessing, Elijah, you've had a couple, right? Yep. And And so I look forward to you being able to share that. But before we get there, before we get there, I want to hear about you. I want everyone to know... Uh, the John that I know uh, and appreciate. Um, share a little bit about you know your family, your job, sure. your passion. What sure. makes you tick? Well, uh, again, this is John Baker. So I live over near Cleveland. If you're familiar with Cleveland, we're sort of south of the airport outside of Cleveland in a rural, sort of rural town that's growing like crazy. Uh, but grew up in Indiana, uh, married a gal from Indiana while we met at college. Uh, at Marion, Indiana Wesleyan, back in Marion, Indiana, and then uh, knew that I was called to ministry at probably about sixth, seventh grade at a big international Wesleyan youth convention in Urbana, Illinois. 
Uh, so was pursuing ministry through college, went to college, thought I'd be a youth pastor forever. God changed my mind, said, no, I'd like you as a senior pastor. And I remember my my senior pastor at that point told me, if you make this decision now, you'll probably be in mid-sized churches most of your life, which I've been and enjoyed it. Uh, but then we moved out to Iowa and Craig followed me out there, sort of. He went into <laughs> Illinois, uh, but we we really rekindled our friendship through youth camps. And uh, man, we spent many hours telling the kids to go to bed. Then we would stay up till three, four in the morning <laughs> talking so theology true. and yeah, crazy stuff that young guys talk about, like how many angels can dance on the head of a needle, stuff <laughs> like that. Can God create a rock you cannot lift? Uh, but we rekindled our friendship there, and then uh, from. Iowa, we moved up to the Twin Cities, Minnesota, lived in Oakdale, part of the Twin Cities for about 12 years, and then just felt like we wanted to come back towards home in Indiana. Uh, so we moved from 12 hours away from home down to about four hours from Wabash in Plymouth, Indiana. Uh, so we came to here to Cleveland area and been pastoring here now for 11 years. So it's sort of going on 12. So it's sort of amazing mm -hmm. how long we've been here. So I have a wonderful wife and she has been unbelievably incredible through this whole journey over the last year. Um, just her wanting to try and cook to be able to feed me with my weird food food things now that I have to follow has been incredible. She's been wonderfully supportive. Uh, three kids. We left one back in Minnesota. So our oldest daughter went to Indiana Wesley and returned basically to her home back in Minnesota. She lives up there. And then I have a daughter, a son, that right now is figuring life out and he's landed here for a little bit with us. Uh, but then I have a daughter, we have a nice apartment suite on our house and her and her husband live with us with our first grandbabies. So we have a uh, baby Harvey who's with us each day. So that's wonderful for some baby therapy, Harvey therapy. <laughs> and uh, so they live here with us until they can find a house because they've been, they had a house, sold it, and they're looking for a house with a little more land. So they're here with us at that point as well. So that's a little bit about who I am. Uh, love ministry, been in ministry now for 30 plus years from a little bit of youth pastoring, but then solo pastoring, senior pastoring, a couple churches, uh, have hobbies along the way. You can see a, Craig can see it, a plane in my background. I like flying model airplanes. So love things, building things with my hands. I love uh, woodworking, being outdoors, love the lawn work. I'm one of those guys that actually likes doing lawn work. And so, uh, makes my day when I can go out, mow my leaves and clean my leaves up on our property. So a little bit about me, who I am. So tell me a little bit about you coming to Christ. And so you were, were you, am I right in thinking you were raised in a church home? Yep, so I was. Okay. And so tell me a little bit about coming to Christ when and, and how that came about. Yeah, from uh, before I was born, I was going to church. <laughs> and so I was literally raised in church. So I was one of, I'm not a pastor's kid. I'm just, my mom and dad were laymen. My mom worked in CYC, the Christian kids program for our church. My dad was board member and whatnot. Uh, so just was raised around the church. A lot of my friends were in church. Uh, when I was in about third or fourth grade, we had a vacation Bible school. I can't remember what summer it was. And that was the first time I really accepted Christ. They went through and, and Uncle Dan did this Bible school and, uh, at that Bible school, I accepted Christ, didn't walk it or live it out or understand it all. Uh, went through my high school years and really didn't live it out there very well. And then went off to college. That's where I really rekindled my passion for Christ, discovered a passion for Christ, that it's a real relationship. It's not just going to church, not just something you do, uh, but ca called in the ministry in sixth grade. So I was 
I was sort of weird that way. I knew I was called to ministry, but in high school was not living it out very well, but still knew I needed to pursue ministry because God put that in my my heart. Uh, but and then college really got real. The whole call got real to follow him in the ministry. I had to take seriously my relationship with him. And it's been a journey, ups and downs all the way along uh, since then, but just learning and growing really, you know, through those days at, at youth camp, uh, getting a hold of what holiness is all about and really living out a lifestyle that honors Christ, not because I'm trying to make him happy or gain his forgiveness, but I want to, I want to, I want him to be happy with me in the lifestyle that I'm living. So uh, it's been just a pursuit of that my whole life over the last 30, 30 years, 30, 40 years. Do you remember what, what, some of those key moments were or individuals who helped you turn that quarter from high school when you all of a sudden you're on the college campus because you did what um, many students do in reverse, right? So they head off from home, go to college, even a Christian Mm -hmm. college, and they're like, instead of getting serious about their faith, they sort of explore their own thing, right? And here you are in college saying, you know, I was really sort of struggling with all that. Get to college. I get serious. What, what, What were some of the things that that really sort of turned that around for you, or at least brought that emphasis back into your heart? Well, one of the big things was I got married. So <laughs> my wife makes me a better Christian, yeah, and okay. she always has. Uh, but then a couple professors, you know, uh, Keith Jury's one of them pops in my mind that really, you know, grabbed a hold of my heart, Keith Springer, a couple others that just really challenged me as, you know, I'm pursuing ministry, and yet my heart wasn't there, and and that that disconnect really can't happen. And so I knew something was wrong and it was just through, you know, chapel services. And I'm one of those guys that actually like chapel. Uh, a lot of students at college, if they go to a Christian college, don't like half to go to chapel, but I always enjoyed them. Uh, but God just really rekindled my passion for him and got my heart going uh, when I went there. And then I think the other big moment I went out, you come out of college and you think you're going to set the world on fire and you're just God's gift to whatever career you're choosing to follow and boy, I got into my first church. The first year was great. The second year I began to drown and things just didn't go well. Uh, it was tough going. And really, I remember mowing the lawn and I was out there mowing the lawn of the church. And God told me, this is not your church. It's my church. And you need to serve me, not yourself. And it's my kingdom you're building, not your kingdom. And man, that just crushed me. <laughs> and I went off, you know, to my district board at that point, who was supervising me towards ordination, talked to them about it. And that was really a big change moment when I got in over my head in ministry and had to call out to God and realize, you know what, he's the one that's all powerful, not me. Uh, um, so that was another big changing moment for me through college, just those professors. And then that moment, uh, working at this first church in the middle of nowhere in Iowa, uh, that God really grabbed my heart. Wow. And, you know, uh, you, you mentioned Keith Jury, and um, he, he was someone who was really instrumental in my life as well. Um, mm-hmm. he, he wrote an amazing book uh, that's still worth, certainly worth the read, you know, uh, Holiness for Ordinary People. Um, oh, j- yeah, just life-changing. Takes, oh, yeah, just takes the, the idea, the, the idea, this, the, the understanding of being Christ-like, right, and, and that holy mm-hmm. pursuit. And, and the fact that it's not just for some super Christian, right? It's for all of us, and it's obtainable. Right. Um, but he talks a lot about the spiritual disciplines in there. I wonder if you would just take a moment and talk about how the spiritual disciplines, you know, prayer, Bible study, the list goes on and on. You know, I think mm-hmm. sometimes we list eight or nine, but I think there's probably many, many more than that, right? Any, anything we can use to help us grow in Christ and sharing with others is a spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. But what spiritual mm-hmm. disciplines over the right. years have been 
ones that that maybe you would say these these are these have safeguarded my heart. These have um, inspired me to become more mm-hmm. in Christ. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Uh, sure. I, I wish I could say I'm perfect at them, but that's why they're disciplines. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because we're learning and growing. And yes, I'm a pastor, yeah. and I'm not perfect at all of them. Um, I think it was, you know, meeting with some of the guys at youth camp that would get together that I really started digging into holiness and the disciplines. Another one is Richard Foster. His Celebration Discipline was a, a key book for me that really set me on that path. But some of the disciplines that's really impacted me is is a daily habit. Um, I think we make sometimes too big of a deal out of devotions, and you got to have this hour devotion with God. You know what? If you can just get into God's Word every day a little bit, ask Him. I always tell folks at my own church, you need to set up a daily habit. And I shoot for five days a week, Monday through Friday, because yeah. weekends are crazy. And, and Sunday so, you're gathering usually. Mm-hmm. I mean, most yeah, people are gathering with their yeah, church yeah. family and studying the Word together. So, yeah. Uh, you know, we look at wanting to be our, make ourselves out to be super Christians, and it doesn't always work that great. You know, so, hey, give yourself some slack. If you can give God five, 10 minutes a day, you know, just to get into his word, ask the Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. So reading the discipline of just reading the word and letting it speak, not commentaries and book studies. I know they're great. They have their place. But just getting in God's word is so huge in asking the spirit to lead and guide you as you're reading. And then couple that with prayer. And what I do I have a very active mind, and so my mind is running a million miles an hour all the time to quiet myself down and focus me. I actually type my prayers out. Some Uh people like to write. Um, If I was to just pray quietly in my mind or talk to God, I would drift off in a thousand directions. So I actually sit and just type out prayers, write letters to God Mm -hmm. every day, uh, and just it ends up being a journal. It's neat to see where I've been. Um, But those disciplines, putting those into my life has really changed the way I walk with Christ. Uh, so those are the two biggies, prayer and uh, the discipline of of uh, getting into his word. And then the third one coupled right with that is discipleship. It, you know, I would tell anybody, if you're a Christian, you're just going to church on Sunday morning, you're missing out because Sunday morning is meant to worship. It's not necessarily meant to grow you. And it's great to get into a small group of some guys. I would suggest guys, guys, girls, girls, but in a small group where you're just being challenged by conversations and looking at God's word together. Uh, I think we we need that, especially in our culture today where we're so disconnected. We need a group of guys around us. And, and right now in what I'm going through, uh, I call them my, my, my men of faith, my heroes. These are the guys that have just been so strong in my life. Mm-hmm. And even though I, I might be dead sick, I still make a point that I want to meet with them every week. And just sit and be surrounded by these guys as we hash out God's word and just talk together. And, and just that conversation of being together does something for us spiritually, and it does something for me. Until I had that in my life, my spiritual life was always struggling. But once I got that discipline down, then the prayer and the Bible study, all that stuff started to come more into focus. John, talk to me a little about your marriage journey. One of the things you you talked about is you're, you're dating this godly young lady. She becomes your wife. Um, mm-hmm. You've been journeying together now for for years, uh, and and um, I'm I'm thinking of individuals who are listening to you, who maybe they're they're not married yet, maybe they're maybe they're just sort of dating mm-hmm. or not even dating, thinking about it, um, or married and trying to figure out what their marriage could be in Christ. Talk about yeah. sort of that influence of, of having um, 
these two Christians married and, and growing together. What, what, how does that, you talk about how that, how that helps you turn uh, the corner there and, and sort of get really serious about mm-hmm. the Lord. How, how does that happen? Two believers, how, where, where would you put that on, on your spiritual journey list? Oh, that's a huge item. Um, I was, God was very nice to me. I married out of my class. My my former district superintendent boss, uh, he said, "Yeah, you outkicked your coverage when you married her." I kicked your coverage. Yeah. I get that. I did. Yeah, I did. Too. I, I, I did it. well. So we both grew up in Christian homes, which so we grew up similar, which was very helpful. So we had a lot of uh, some values that we shared together. Um, but Michelle's always been. I feel like I'm always playing catch up to her because she's <laughs> always been sort of one step ahead of me spiritually, you know. Just and then she challenges me, to, and she she doesn't push that or anything. Uh, just watching her and how she lives out her faith has always encouraged me to live it out more. So uh, faith has been a a central thing, and obviously being a pastor and a pastor's wife, church is central to us in what our lifestyle is all about or what our lives are all about. Uh, she's. She is the reason I am who I am spiritually. Mm. Uh, she sees me when I'm good and when I'm bad, when I have good days and bad days. She hears all grumbling, complaining. Church church folks don't all the time, but she hears it, uh, and she puts up with it. But mm. she has just been an inspiration to me in my life. And now I'll tell you this. We had a really good marriage for several years when we first got married. Never fought. And I remember our first fight was over a Monopoly game because neither of us would give in. And finally, I just tipped over the Monopoly board and got so mad. That was our first fight, about three, four years into marriage. Wow. But we had some rough times. We had some things we had to deal with and and work through. Um, Having kids is a strain on a relationship. And kids have a way of of really pushing mom and dad's buttons (laughs) to get what they want. Uh, so it was, it was rough for a little while where we had to work through some issues. The neat thing is we've stayed together and we were just talking about this last night. We've been together long enough that we outthink each other. So we'll be sitting there and, and both thinking the same thought. So that whole idea that scripture says the two become one, uh, you do after a while. The other thing that's interesting, the way in which I loved Michelle when I first met her is totally different than it is today. It's not mushy, gushy, and butterflies. And, you know, I'm going to write her name all over my notebook and get so excited and giddy when I see her. There's a depth of our love now that that actually I think moves more to a choice that I've chosen to love her and she's chosen to love me back. And there's a trust factor in that now. Um, it's a much deeper, much different love than it was, you know, 30 years ago when we first got married. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, at least in my experience, when I hear you say, and as I talk to people who have growing marriages, you know, that are flourishing, we're all going to have our conflicts. So flourishing doesn't mean conflict flurry. It just means heading in the right direction. But um, for those who are working on it, you know, have intentionally poured into their marriage, um, I think some of us, we look at those who, who haven't. And it's like you miss the reward, right? Like the hard work of oh, setting yeah. that foundation of trust and, and 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 developing that oneness in Christ, man, it pays off huge uh, after after that foundation's laid. Like that foundation mm-hmm. has to be laid. It does. It isn't laid in a year. I mean, it takes a right. while. Oh, yeah. But once it's laid, everything builds on that, and Christ gets to be central to your relationship. And I, I just challenge anyone out there who, especially who's looking. Um, for a future spouse, and, and I would say don't intentionally look, uh, just uh, allow the Lord to allow that to happen. I find that sometimes we get obsessed with looking we don't find, and usually find when we're not so obsessed with it. 
But um, but when you when you're in you know looking, you just want to look for someone who's going to have that same commitment you are into, into doing right. that, setting that foundation. And if you're in a marriage, um, and maybe it's not even going well, the, the good news is you guys can make a decision now to say let's do that hard work. I think just a lot of people think I went to six sessions with my pastor. We went to a marriage counselor. Oh yeah, and, and we're still there. And it's like, yeah, you're gonna. It takes years to build that foundation. It's worth mm-hmm. it, but it's not something that happens overnight. Mm-hmm. Well, and another thing, and I I tell my kids this: if you're fortunate enough, marry a friend. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what it is about in our culture that oh, I can't have you know my friend can't be my marriage partner or the person I look at yeah. as a marriage partner. I'm like, man, I married my best friend. Yeah, same here. And we've just continued to be better and better friends our whole lives, and we actually work it. Now we don't like the same stuff, but we work it liking some of the same stuff, you know, or being interested in each other's worlds. And man, if you can marry a friend, that's awesome. And then. As you're going down this road, you got to kindle that friendship. If you're not calling each other, if you're not talking, I, I run into some marriages that are like steamships passing in the night, yeah. simply honking their horns at each other to tell each other, get out of my way. This is what I'm doing. That's not a great marriage. But man, when you have a friendship as a marriage, it, it brings a whole different level to it. And having Christ in the center of that really helps because there's plenty of nights where I was mad. And the Holy Spirit was the one that checked me and said, you need to apologize. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and yet I knew it wasn't. And as soon as I did, everything started working out. Sure. You know, so, man, having Christ in the middle of this really helps as well. Mm-hmm. Elijah, you have any questions? I just, you know, John, I, um, you're going sort of back to even what we, what Craig said in the beginning, it's just your, your heart for for ministry and for God's people is so inspiring. And even just for myself, like I, to be able to sit and be a part of a conversation with somebody who's been in ministry for over 30 years, like I, like, you know, I've worked in full-time ministry for almost nine years. And I think Mm -hmm. to myself, it's like some days I'm like, oh man, I just, you know, I know I'm supposed to love all of God's people. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? And just, it's so inspiring to talk to someone in your position who is just modeling that really well. And well, I just, um, it is, it's encouraging. And I, I, I'm, I'm very thankful that, uh, that you agreed to be on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's easier to love God's people than it is to be honest about a person. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both been sitting here for thirty plus years, so I, I think there's still sometimes struggles of going. Yeah, I love you in Jesus. <laughs> oh, I can love them better when they go to your church. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but no, no, I agree. I, I've always appreciated that about John. I think something we share is a, is a love for God's church and, and and the people and the workings of it and all those things. Oh, definitely. And, and uh, as we look at that, well, John, you know, this is sort of episode one. We're going to have another episode with you. Thank you for, for agreeing to be a part of that. But but sort of as a, um, as a, I hate to use the word teaser, but as a way for them to understand where we're going to be heading in our next episode together, um, share a little bit about your journey of diagnosis. What, what, what just share that. Sure. I, I'll cut the question off there. Yeah. All righty. Tell me if, when I go too long or whatnot. No, no, but... you're good. You're good. Yeah, for a couple, about a year or so, I started having some pain in my abdomen, not sure what it was, and so thought it was, doctor thought it was an ulcer, uh, went into, I knew I needed to get something done, this was a year 2022, summer of 2022, and knew I needed to go in to see the doc, so I went in to see the doctor, uh, they scheduled, he scheduled a um, endoscopy, well, 
they had to have both scopies done from both directions uh, just to make sure nothing was going on in my colon. Uh, but then also just to check and we thought it was probably ulcers going on in my stomach. Uh, went in and found nothing on either side. So this was um, mid-2022, summer of 2022. At the end of the summer, when I came back, everything was was negative. Uh, then he started looking further, uh, went and did a um, MRI, I think was the first thing, or ultrasound, ultrasound of my liver, found a spot on my liver they were concerned about, then did an MRI. MRI revealed some uh, issues over with possibly my gallbladder, some other organs. They did another MRI. They found a spot in my pancreas, and that was September of, of last year, uh, well, a year ago now, and uh, uh, came back and thought it was cancer. So that was pretty scary. I still remember the night I had the guy was on the phone with me. My doctor was, but it was the endoscopy doctor at that point. And he's like, you know, I'm sorry to tell you, but we saw pancreatic cancer, a possibility of that in one of the scans. You have two growths that are happening. And so we need to further check that out. Of course, the Internet's wonderful and bad. One of the things I've said through this whole thing is knowledge is supposed to be wonderful, but sometimes ignorant ignorance really is bliss. And I sure. like the ignorance. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I went right online. Being a pastor, you deal with a lot of people with cancer and different illnesses. And I didn't know that pancreatic cancer was a good cancer or bad cancer. And so I went online and found out, well, pancreatic cancer is one of the worst that you can get. Um, having gone through this now, I, and I'm not, I don't want to make anybody feel bad, but lung cancer and some of these other things are very treatable these days. But then there's some cancers that aren't that successful on treatment. Pancreatic cancer is one of them. And so I remember looking that up and after he called and Michelle was in town doing grocery shopping, I called her and told her, you got to come home right now. So she came home. I met her out in the driveway and just grabbed a hold of her and started to sob, you know, that, that it was so scary because I got this cancer donut. I didn't know whether I was going to make it a month or two, whether I had years, just had no idea. And just trying to wrap my head around the news that I just got, uh, was almost overwhelming, you know, just to deal with that. And from that point for the next month or two, and we can talk about this a little bit later, uh, honestly, you know, I'd like to say that I bared it really well as a Christian, but man, I went into spiritual hell uh, for about a month to two months and just felt like God was far away. It was probably the darkest point in my entire life of fear, of darkness, sadness, uh, just crying out, not hearing God call back or say anything mm -hmm. back. It was tough. Um, now, lots happened since then where God's really, you know, showing himself faithful and showing up in big ways. But that's sort of how this all came about and just hunt a bunch of tests. It seemed like I was going in for tests and then CT scans. Um, eventually, after that diagnosis, that the doctor calling me, he had to schedule a bunch more tests to make sure. And then one of them was an advanced endoscopy where they went down through my esophagus I didn't know they could do this, but actually took biopsies uh, through my stomach into my pancreas to take samples and did prove that there was cancer there. I had a two-inch mass on the body and a, about a one-inch mass on the tail. Uh, and then this was the next bad news. <clears throat> we were sitting, I was just coming out of recovery from that procedure. It's a different surgeon surgeon came in. He was, there's good doctors. So there's bad ones. He wasn't one of the great ones. And, uh, 
came in. I'm sitting there just coming out of anesthesiology um, or anesthesia. Michelle comes in the room, a little behind the curtain. He comes in with his little chart, draws the picture of my pancreas, shows me where the tumors are. And then said straight up, he goes, well, I'm sorry to tell you, but it's inoperable. There's nothing we can do for you. Wow. Talk about just a blow. My wife, I think she turned white and the doctor looked over and says, do you understand what I'm saying? And she basically said, yeah, you, you're telling me my husband's going to die. And he's like, well, yeah, sorry. Hate to, I would just want to, you know, don't want to beef it up. Don't want to, you know, light, light coated or sugar coated. It's serious and, and probably not going to survive this. And he walked away. Wow. And there we're sitting there like, what do you do with this? You know, mm-hmm. what do you, I just got told I'm going to die. Didn't tell when, how soon, if this right. is going to be tomorrow or a couple of years down the road. Um, man, wow. talk about just blow your mind and numb. Man. And we had prayer meeting that night. And I remember going over to our prayer meeting group. We have a group that meets together. We pray for the needs of the church. And I just sat there and said, I just, I just got told I'm going to die. I don't know what to do with this. You know, I want to bring God. I knew I wanted to bring God glory through it all. That was in my mind, but it just blew me away as to, you know, what does this mean? And it it just, that was rough. That that was hard to deal with that. I I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. Uh, As we pick up on the next episode, I want to pick up from there. Uh, I want to pick up from, from, from you got this news and and what's your journey been since then? Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I think I think as I hear you talking, what what just impresses me, and I know this about you, is just that desire to say, Lord, I want to bring you glory through this, but mm-hmm. the honesty of saying, I don't even know what this is. Yeah, like I do and I don't. Right, the uncertainty and all those yeah. type of things, and so. Um, let's pick up from there in our next episode. Sounds that, good. And I, I just appreciate your openness and honesty and mm-hmm. allowing us to have this chat, because I know it's it's talking about a difficult thing, but I also know your heart uh, that through this, others can grow and learn, be encouraged and focused on, so. on what's important. So, um, Not that I like it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, and, and so I, I just encourage you, those of you who are listening, join us next week as we uh, as we continue this journey with John. Um, remember, uh, check out crosswinds.church. That's where you'll find out more about this podcast and as well as Crosswinds Church. Um, John, again, thank you so much. Can't wait to, to journey with you a little more in our next episode. You but bet. for now, as always, um, be blessed and bless others. Bye.